Hello, welcome back to How About That Crypto. You are watching your daily crypto news and updates with your host, Bitcoin Stylist on Twitter and Bitcoin Hairstylist on Instagram. I'm here Monday through Friday and I explain crypto and Web3 while keeping you up to date on all the latest. Today's news stories are another billionaire and financial institution naysayer has capitulated. David Rubenstein of the infamous Carlyle Group changes his stance on crypto. Wall Street just created a new way to invest in crypto. And if you stay till the end, I have another Ripple versus SEC lawsuit update. This is a good one. What does all this mean? No, let's worry. I will explain it all. But first, if you like or don't like the content, please let me know by leaving a comment below. If you're listening on podcasts, please leave me a rating. Five stars is preferable. Follow me also. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the subscribe button, ring the bell. It helps support the channel and it doesn't cost you anything. Just to be clear and litigious, this is not financial advice. This is for entertainment purposes only. You can use the links below to do your own research. My prayers continue to go out to all the people affected by the Ukrainian conflict. Hopefully this war is over soon. I have an announcement that I make every episode. If you find yourself listening and feel like you do not know what I'm talking about or you're confused, please leave a comment. Please also try to not give up. I make these videos with the intention of layering on top of each other. If you continuously listen and the videos are not that long, um, just give it a shot, a week or two of daily listening. You should have a better understanding. If you don't, please reach out to me by leaving a comment below or private messaging on Twitter at Bitcoin Stylist. My link, Twitter link is below. So if you've been watching my channel, you know that I report the news Monday through Friday and I focus on adoption and risk. I started doing interviews also uh, and banters, like having sessions with people where we talk about crypto. And uh, you might find that interesting. We talk about investing, we talk about coins, we talk about concepts, etc. So anyway, there are two areas as a crypto investor enthusiast that I focus on due to the, to the, sorry. I report the news Monday through Friday, and I focus on adoption and risk. These are the two areas as a crypto investor and enthusiast that I focus on due to these points being made, in my opinion. Okay, so basically what I'm saying is adoption and risk, I think, are the most important things as an investor. And the most important aspect of the success of the industry, if I can mitigate and understand risk, I can make investments appropriately. However, this is not the only thing that is important. Like I said, I focus on adoption as well. And just because it's an incredible asset or an incredible technology with little to no risk, that doesn't mean it's worth investing if there's no adoption. And uh, this is not financial advice, but I do have an example. Henry Ford did not invent the car, but he did figure out a way to mass produce it at a time in history when the public was ready. Arguably, Henry Ford had... Had he released his mass-produced car at a different time and place, maybe he would not have been able to be as successful. There were just over 20 years between the invention and adoption of the car. Well, Bitcoin was released 13 years ago. We can argue crypto was created earlier, but the crypto market and the thesis of Bitcoin started 13 years ago. Do we have another seven years to go? I don't think so. One of my favorite things to report about in the cryptoverse is when haters change their tone and start to see the light. But I enjoy it even more when these people are in positions of power or influence. Now, basically what I'm saying is 
adoption, understanding the risk is only part of understanding whether or not something's going to be successful. The risk of adopt, the risk of adoption and the risk of the technology, like is there risk on the public? Is there risk of regulation? Is there risk of adoption? Like are people just think that this is not a good idea? And, and what is that risk and why are those things why are those things there? Well, that's only part of it. The other part is adoption. So I have something to share with you today. All right. If you're listening on podcasts, you can use the links below. Author Scott Cipollina reports for Decrypt, billionaire David Rubenstein on crypto. The genie is out of the bottle. The billionaire co-founder of the Carlyle Group, David Rubenstein, has reversed his previously skeptical view of cryptocurrencies. And if you've been listening, this is like the third person. You had Jamie Dimon switched it up. He still doesn't like Bitcoin, but he switched it up on crypto and DeFi. And Janet Yellen changed her tone. And some argue that Gary Gensler did too, but I would not get excited about that. Okay, so when I was trying to verify this story, I found it kind of challenging. So it turns out David Rubenstein was on a podcast called Invest Like the Beast. Sorry, invest like the best on March 29th. It is on this podcast that he said the genie is out of the bottle. Before we get into it, who cares about the Carlisle Group? What is, who is the Carlisle Group? Why are they important? Well, according to Wikipedia, the Carlisle Group is an American multinational private equity alternative in asset management and financial services corporation. It specializes in private equity, real, real assets, and private credit. In 2015, Carlisle was the world's largest private equity firm by capital raised over the previous five years, though by 2020, it had slipped into second place. They are also infamous for, according to an ABC article, which is the link is below, their involvement in pay-to-pay scandals and during like the Bush's, Bush administration, I think that's what it was, but you can read the read the article if you want to know more, but we've most of us have heard of pay to play. Uh, Clinton was popular, became was popularized for it. This is not political. I don't really care either way. I'm just telling you why you may have heard of the Carlisle Group. Uh, and you may have heard their name mentioned in Fahrenheit 9-11. I'm not going to get into that because I can get a little conspiracy theory, but you can watch the movie and decide for yourself. Now, that is just for context. Oh, also, David Rubenstein is a frequent expert used on mainstream media, specifically when discussing the economy. So him and the group rub shoulders with powerful people and carry a level of influence. Like I said in the past, if you were a lawmaker and you needed some insight into something you didn't know, like you want to know about cryptocurrency, who are you going to turn to? Most of these people, lawmakers, Turn to people, other people with the longest running track record in a space. So cryptocurrency is seen as a financial product. Therefore, you're going to turn to the financial industry. So whether you like it or not, that's how it works. And uh, I don't think that anything's wrong with that. I think that maybe, maybe there are other people to go to. Maybe there's not. But like, anyway, the point is the Carlisle Group has 
has influence because they got the they are the people that the lawmakers and regulators might turn to and ask questions saying hey what do you think about this what are your information as they gather gather information i'm not talking about collusion i'm not talking about anything any conspiracy i'm just saying like it makes sense that you're going to go to the top people in a specific industry to ask them for information and advice and you're also those people, those people in those industries also have lobbyists who their job is to talk to lawmakers and regulators about the industry to educate them. That's how I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to like get into like making assumptions and, and giving other theories, but that's how this works. OK, back to the news story. I want to read you a couple of paragraphs. All right. So David Rubenstein says, I have not bought cryptocurrencies, but I have bought companies that service the industry because I think the genie is out of the bottle and I don't think the industry is going away anytime soon. By his own admission, Rubenstein's view on crypto has changed. He was skeptical of crypto in the beginning as he believed there was nothing underlying cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum. It's clear to me now that many younger people don't think there's much underlying the dollar or the euro or other currencies. Thank you so much for saying that because everyone, so many people like to say, oh, but there's nothing backing it. There's nothing underlying it. There's no value. Well, a lot of crypto people say the same thing about fiat currency. Now, you could say, well, there's taxes. People have to pay their taxes in the dollars. That's true. That's very true. And hey, that is what it is. But that, I mean, this his statement is, he says, it is clear to me now that many younger people don't think there's much underlying the dollar or the euro or other currencies. So there's a lack of faith and trust by younger generations in the institutions that have been running the country for many years. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they're right. But the point is, if a large growing group of people think something's valuable, who are you to say it's not? That's all he's trying to say. What are your opinions? What are your thoughts? Please leave a comment below. Please let me know what you think about this. I think this is super interesting. I think this is also super bullish for crypto. We got, you know, big dog like David Rubenstein in the house now. Welcome to the Cryptoverse. Moving on. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So author Stacy Elliott reports for Decrypt what Fidelity's crypto and metaverse ETFs will mean for investors. New Fidelity crypto and metaverse ETFs will invest in tech and digital payment companies, but not offer direct exposure to cryptocurrencies. So what is an ETF? An ETF is an exchange traded fund. Think of it as a mutual fund with a narrow focus or basically a basket of companies in a specific industry. You can have an ETF for electrical vehicles. You can have an ETF for wind energy. Each of these invests only in the companies that are in or have exposure to the industry or focus. Think of it like this. Say you want to invest in wind energy, but you don't want to pick, you don't know which company is going to be successful and which one's going to fail. So you're like worried, like, well, what do I, which one, which company is going to pick? Like, you don't have the time to do all the research, but you like, you would like to maybe like how many companies are there? Maybe there's 25 companies in the wind energy, wind energy space. Well, instead of betting our one or two, 
you know, you can do your research, you can find out like, oh, I like this one, but did you really research all of them? Are, is this what you do for your job? Or are you an investor who plans on buying and holding for a long period of time because you believe in the sector? Well, now, now you can bet on one to two funds that focus on wind energy. This way, if some companies in the fund fail, you offset your losses with other companies. ETFs are some of the most popular ways to invest these days, especially with younger investors. It helps individuals invest in a sector, technology, or commodity that they believe will be successful. And they get to avoid to the risk of picking the wrong company that is working on the sector tech or risk of picking the wrong commodity. Now, say you wanted to invest in crypto, but you are so confused because there's thousands of coins in the market. Well, you are not alone. I personally have a basket of 20 cryptos that I am not sure which will be successful, but I'm so, but more and more cryptos, sorry, more and more crypto, more, more and more cryptocurrencies keep coming online. And the reality is I'm so focused on the risk and adoption in the, of the mark in the market and, and getting up here and reporting the news every morning that I don't have time to continuously do the research on new coins. I'm holding on to my current coins, but during a bear market, which arguably we are in right now, that's not financial advice, but like if we are in a bear market, that means that historically some of the coins are going to lose steam if they're undercapitalized. Uh, and there is, there was a sell-off, which there, you know, a lot of these coins are still 30 to 40% down from where they were back in November and December. In the first quarter of this year, there was such a big sell-off. So how many of the, these coins make it through the bear market? The bear market could be years. I doubt that, but I'm just saying like, it's possible that some of these, some of these companies and some of these coins, they, they lose their steam. The developers move on. They lose, they run out of money. So what is my point? Okay, keep going with my point. Um, I, so like, I don't have time to do all my research. So I, I do not want to invest in a coin without doing research. However, I'm not going to lie. I might throw a couple hundred dollars behind one, but that would just be FOMO, fear of missing out. Though since I did, because I didn't do research and that is not advice. Do your research, make your own decisions. There is also this concept in investing that during the gold rush, did you want to go out west, find a property, start digging and hope you pick the right land? I mean, it's the big risk. Or did you want to sell the picks and shovels to those people? The investment world would say, I want to invest in the picks and shovels. So this is what Fidelity is doing. Fidelity has created two funds to invest in crypto, Web3, and or the metaverse companies. This is like investing in the picks and shovels, or even better yet, more like investing in the companies that delivered the picks and shovels. What do you think about that? Maybe, maybe the picks and shovels too. Okay, so check this out. I want to read you a couple of things from this. Uh, let's see. Okay. An executive said that a lot of demand for products related to cryptocurrencies and the metaverse, which pairs the virtual world and character building mechanics with native currencies that can be traded is from younger clients. We continue to see demand, particularly from young investors for access to rapidly growing industries and the digital ecosystem. And these two thematic ETFs offer investors exposure and a familiar investment vehicle. Like I said earlier, the ETF is very popular amongst younger investors. Now let's go to another paragraph here. 
The new funds, Fidelity Metaverse ETF and Fidelity Crypto Industry and Digital Payments ETF will trade on the NASDAQ. <clears throat> they are thematic, meaning that all assets containing these portfolios are related to the metaverse or crypto, but investors are not directly exposed to crypto currencies. Well, there you go. Young clients keep asking for exposure since there is not regulatory clarity and financial institutions are so heavily regulated, they cannot yet invest directly into cryptocurrencies. Although they might say that they're not doing it for other reasons, but that is really a big reason, if not the reason. So they are giving them the next best thing. Maybe even some would say this is better than investing in the coins themselves. I do not agree. I buy the coins and I buy these ETFs. So I'm getting exposure and hedges. And so like the only way I lose is if the crypto industry loses or gets banned. <laughs> okay, let us look at another paragraph in the article. Uh, I think this is really important to read. Okay, the new funds make Fidelity yet another major asset manager. Joining BlackRock and Charles Schwab that's looking for ways to offer clients exposure to cryptocurrencies in a way that doesn't force them to invest elsewhere. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, and like this other piece, Fidelity's 33 billion ETF business will have 51 different funds. That's great. But what the most important part of that is the banks and financial institutions do not want their customers taking money out of their banks and their funds and putting it into cryptocurrencies. So I would argue that they are pushing for regulatory clarity. They want to be able to give their customers exposure to directly to cryptocurrencies. But right now, this is what they can do. They can invest in the companies that are working on this space. And quite frankly, there's not a ton of them. There's not great exposure because a lot of these companies are private. Just saying. Okay. What are your opinions about this? Please share me your thoughts. Please leave a comment below and I am moving on. I hope I'm not running too late. You made it to the end. Let's talk about the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit. If you've been following my channel or this or this uh, lawsuit, you would know that this lawsuit is expected to set a precedent for the industry and regulation. If SEC wins, that would, in theory, make all altcoins tank. We do not want the SEC to win. The Ripple, if Ripple wins, this could, in theory, make all altcoins rise. These theories are based on the arguments in the case. SEC says Ripple created XRP coin, and they're calling it a security. A security in this instance is a stock in a company. When buying it, the investor would expect returns based on the efforts of Ripple. It's very legalistic, I know, but this is super important. Okay, I've talked about this so many times, and the more you listen, the more you get it. When buying, when buying XRP coin, the SEC saying people when they bought it, they expect the value to go up based on Ripple's activity. Ripple says XRP is a currency; it's a commodity. It's not on them on whether or not people see value in this. It's going to be more on how is it used? What is the utility? Now, it's kind of like a weird argument because really utility is going to come from the efforts of Ripple. But the point is here, a commodity like currency has utility and the value rises and falls based on supply and demand. Ripple also says that the SEC gave unclear guidance to the market via a handful of speeches. And, and the market built businesses based on these speeches. The SEC never created clarity and let the market grow. They 
They were asked over and over and over again. There's lots of documentation of crypto companies going to the SEC, asking for clarity and the SEC not giving it to them and only going out on the road and doing these handful of speeches, which they put on their website. So anybody looking for clarity is going to look at these speeches, period, full stop. I don't care what you think. That is the reality of what's going on. Now, was this the right? Was this wrong? Who's right? Who's wrong? That's what we're trying to decide. Now, many years later, the SEC is saying, oh, you broke the law. Boom, you broke the law. So Ripple is arguing, no, they didn't. And if we did, we asked you for advice. You didn't give it to us. And you went on the road giving all these speeches. And so I guess you, I guess we're going to have to pull the fair notice. You didn't give us an, enough notice that we broke the law. So we need a little bit of a grace period. We need to understand your, the laws better. You didn't give us clarity. At the center of all this is a handful of speeches by commissioners and the acting chair at the time. These speeches told the market that determining factor between a security and a commodity was decentralization. Now, the SEC says those speeches were the opinions of individuals. Those weren't the opinions of the SEC. Well, let us get into this whole thing, you know, and I know that the way I'm talking is with conviction. And uh, I actually do think that Ripple sold these, these, the first round of sale of these tokens would go under the securities laws. However, I do not see XRP as a security anymore. I see it as a currency that has utility. So that's my stance. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that, but let me know what you think. Uh, leave a comment below. All right. <clears throat> Author Rick Steves reports for finance feeds. <clears throat> Ripple scores biggest win in XRP lawsuit, likely to force SEC into settlement. This significant Ripple win may trigger an abrupt end to the XRP lawsuit, as many close to the case believe the SEC would rather settle than hand over its internal documents. All right. Let me just read this. As expected, Judge Sarah Netburn denied the SEC's motion for reconsideration of the DPP ruling. The DPP ruling is deliberative procedural process, meaning, meaning it's private how the government determines and makes their decisions on what their steps they're going to take. If everyone knew what was going on in the brains and inner workings of the regulatory bodies, then people would be able to play uh, play off of that. So there's a there's a there's a pro, there's a protection with their process. So they're so they're saying that. So this is saying that the judge denied the SEC's motion for reconsideration of the DPP ruling in the latest court order in the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. This motion was viewed as the biggest decision in the XRP lawsuit because of the consequences it would bring for the outcome of the case. The future of both Ripple and the SEC, as well as the future of XRP, and probably the overall cryptocurrency ecosystem in the United States. Okay, so basically, this is saying that the judge said, no, you these speeches and these emails leading up to these speeches, like there is a back, there is a back and forth about these speeches and and communication about how and what is going to go into these speeches. And since since the SEC said that's just his personal opinion, the judge is saying, well, if it's his personal opinion, then it's not the SEC's deliberative process. So there's no protection. 
check this out. Um, this is like my favorite thing ever. In an attempt to claim privilege, the SEC said the court overlooked that Bill Hinman made his speech, his 2018 speech on Bitcoin and Ethereum in order to communicate the approach of the SEC's division of corporate finance <clears throat> and that the speech was the end product of significant collaboration by many staffers across the SEC as evidenced by the 68 drafts and associated commentary in the SEC's privileged logs. Such deliberations should be protected by DPP. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You just said that it's his personal opinion. And now you're saying, oh, wait a minute. No, actually, we were collaborating. Uh, what? Okay, I'm going to keep going. The SEC's assertion that the speech was intended to communicate corporate finance's approach to regulating digital asset offerings is inconsistent with the SEC and Henman's previous position that the speech was intended to and did reflect his personal view. So the judge is like, wait a minute, you can't have it both ways. The SEC seeks to have it both ways. Whoa, there you go. But the speech was, but the speech was either intended to reflect the agency policy or it was not. Having insisted that it reflected Hanman's personal views, the SEC cannot now reject its own position. The speech was not an agency communication, and the deliberations as to its contents are not protected. Okay. So this is super huge. And let me just get out of this, close this stuff here. So this is super huge. This is like, oops, <laughs> this is super huge. And, you know, I think that, that this is massive. However, they're talking about maybe there being a settlement because whatever's in these emails could be a windfall for other future cases. So they might say, hey, like, we're going to share these with you and we want to just settle. Or they're going to say, hey, we could drag this on, make you, make you spend a lot more money. And you don't know what these in these speeches, you don't know what these in these emails, they're not that good. So why don't we just, uh, why don't we just settle? So we'll see what happens. Uh, either way, this thing is not going to be over anytime soon. I know it kind of sounds like it will be but I have my doubts. What are your thoughts? What do you think all this means? What do you think about David Rubenstein of the Carlog group switching his thing, switching his tone? Do you think that that's a big deal? Do you think that Fidelity admitting that they don't want people to leave their banks are going to mean that they're going to push regulation clarity and then, and them just selling these ETFs is really just saying, Hey, we believe that there's some success there. And we want access to the crypto space. What do you think about this Ripple lawsuit? Let me know what you think. Let me know what your thoughts are. Leave a comment below. <clears throat> if this didn't make any sense, please leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. If you're listening on podcast, please give me a rating. Five stars is preferable. And follow me. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and ring the bell. Help support the channel. Doesn't cost you anything. Have a good day. Hoddle on.